0: hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Alright, so if you're recording and you can hear me, I guess we can start. I don't... (laughs) Thanks for uh, kind of actually doing this at the perfect time for me. To be clear, I would have worked around your schedule if you wanted me to.
1: No, that's okay, man.
0: Do you mind if we say the region you're from, at least? I mean, obviously, you're not American.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's fine.
0: Uh, I... Because... I was pretty proud that I correctly guessed that you're Portuguese. Yeah, that's Although, true. That's a good guess. Uh, I gotta say, I could have just looked at your Twitter.
1: <laughs> How does it say? I don't even know. It
0: has a flag next to your name. Yeah. Ah,
1: right, right. Yeah, that's right. I am from Portugal.
0: How I'll start is, what made you make that Vega video? Because I was the one and it exploded, right?
1: That was a very popular one. So I actually started the Cortex channel all the way back in 2016. And when I first started, it was sort of, um, you know, your typical tech channel with build guides and reviews and that sort of thing. And and then loads of people started making tech channels. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It took me a while while to find, what would you say, like my voice, Mm -hmm. you know, like my style. Like what you see now on the channel, so a lot of the videos that I have from from back then I just took down because they just didn't match what uh, you know what my expectations are nowadays. And that particular video was actually not the first video that I did on Vega on the seven nanometer Vega, or rather, well, this is a bit of a, a bit of a complicated story. So earlier that year, in a, in March of two thousand eighteen. Mm-hmm. I made a video talking about uh, ray tracing so that's how this whole thing got started and I said NVIDIA was going to launch a GPU at the end of 2018 that would do real-time ray tracing so this was in March of 2018 And, um, and then I said that AMD would have an answer to that and I said that the, 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 the NVIDIA GPUs would be called the RTX GPUs and the AMD GPUs would be called the Radeon Rays GPUs.
0: Yeah, Dord said similar things and I thought that was one where it was very obvious, I thought, too. Because, I mean, they were showing off ray tracing out of nowhere everywhere and... When I saw the first rumors, both from you and Adored, saying they'll call it RTX, I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And they need to find some way to make an even more premium tier above GTX. So yeah, all this this is all Nvidia's wheelhouse. I thought it was pretty funny anyone would doubt that. Although I think pretty much everyone was on board with that prediction.
1: Well, sort of, because a lot of people were saying, um, well, for, for Nvidia, yes, that that is true. But then, but but no one expected AMD to have an answer and and i thought and i was seeing all these you know the rumor mill with all these articles saying that there's not going to be a seven enemy to vega and and i thought well you know like like that video i did earlier in 2018 i think that amd will have an answer to this they will have to answer this somehow mm-hmm. and i had said it back you know earlier that year that that this would be in the form of a vega refresh so that's how the the whole pr- process got started so after the, the RTX GPUs came out and I, as I was seeing all these people saying that, that there was not going to be an answer from AMD and especially not in the, in the form of a Vega card, I decided to do that video because I thought that AMD would come up with a 7nm Vega GPU. I thought it, that would make perfect sense. I did get wrong the fact that because I thought they were, they were going to have fixed function hardware to do ray tracing as well, which they ended up not having. Maybe because ray tracing ended up not being, you know, all that popular. I don't know. I, it's funny.
0: Um, I know that video specifically from you because my first video was actually, and you don't know this because I was literally just talking into my phone. This is like you said, all these tech channels popping up. I decided to just try it late 2018 because I, I literally saw. Dozens of check channels of people with like 10,000 subscribers, and all they were doing is copy and pasting WCCF articles. <laughs> and I'm like, if these guys can get 10,000 subscribers, I feel like no one's talking about some of these things. I should say something. And my first video was actually disagreeing with your Vega video, by the way.
1: Yeah, I'm not surprised.
0: Uh, and it's funny because in my brain, I remembered it being like this well constructed argument. And then I went back and watched it a few months ago, and I was like, I can't understand what I'm saying, so I'm going to pull this video so no one sees this again. But uh, <laughs> I disagreed because I thought AMD, I thought there was no chance that AMD would do anything but release bad yields of MI50 cards. And if they did, that's not really the gaming card people are asking for. Because, And you can still see this with, just slightly higher, if we're being honest, RDNA prices, where everyone was like, oh, man, I hope they bring 7-nanometer Vega to consumers. And I was like, well, they will, but it's going to be like a Frontier replacement, which it, it is. It, I would say Radeon 7 is in between kind of Vega Frontier and their consumer Vega cards. It doesn't have RX in the name. It's not. Yeah. But the you definitely nailed that they eventually released it, and it was always a possibility, though. I just disagreed with the GDR six thing, to be honest.
1: Mm, yeah, yeah, I did get that one wrong, but I'm not surprised with your reaction. In fact, I know you, you you've done videos with Paul from Not an Apple Fan and Chris, mm. the good old gamer, and that's how I found their channels. Oh. <laughs> so I after I released that seven nanometer Vega uh, video, I searched on YouTube for videos with the same title, and they were all reactions. Including from both of them, and they was you know they had the same reasoning you, as you did, so I'm not surprised by it, that you had that reaction. I think it, it would be the right thing to do. Bringing it
0: back to what we were talking about, though, with AMD and everyone doubting their response to ray tracing. I mean, they're going to have a response, and this is something I run into a lot. Obviously, different companies have different capabilities. They can't always do everything at once. That's true, but if AMD wants to do almost anything they can just choose to. Now that might take them longer or they might not have the money to do it right away. They might not be able to do another project at the same time. but this idea that they won't co- eventually compete with ray tracing, I thought that was actually quite bewildering. Like we've had weight ray tracing. The PS3 was pretty good at ray tracing guys. like it's a choice to start working on ray tracing. And AMD will compete in the areas they want to. Well, especially, it's easy to say now, now that they're actually functioning on all levels.
1: Yeah. No, they will go after ray tracing when once it makes business sense.
0: Exactly. And it just... And maybe it would if they were as rich as NVIDIA, right? But it it's just not the lowest hanging fruit right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and NVIDIA doesn't have a choice. They have to go after... You know they have to sell GPUs mm-hmm. in a time where GPUs are sort of leveling out, so they need an added um, selling point, selling point there, and they were hoping ray tracing would be it, but it's it's just not there yet.
0: Well, yeah, and this actually leads me to another thing I wouldn't mind discussing with you, which is process nodes and the advantage they have. I think a lot of people see AMD competing on seven nanometer, and they go. Well, AMD is cheating because they have to use 7 nanometer c- to compete with NVIDIA's 12, but I actually push back quite a bit on that. It's definitely an advantage, but it's an advantage in certain ways. Like they can't make 800 millimeter squared GPUs on 7 nanometer, but NVIDIA can with 12 nanometer, and NVIDIA, in fact, has to. NVIDIA's entire business model always has been giant GPU dies that they want you to pay a lot of money for that they push into the data center and then mass-produce for gamers, they can't use some exotic, well, not exotic, but new, low-yielding node because they wouldn't get the volume they need. They need to make tens of millions of GPUs a year for laptops and desktops and data centers, and they need them to be gigantic because that's just how they design them. And obviously, they'll move to 7 nanometer eventually, but there's a reason they're on 12. It's not just because, right... The, the, they will go to seven when it makes sense for them, and there's a reason they're competing on twelve now.
1: yeah, it's it's seven nanometers is very expensive. Like uh, Nvidia already sells GPUs at you know with massive margins, and that's sort of the expectation from from investors. you know those margins are going to be there. And if they go they go to seven nanometers now, they would have to either raise prices even more or they would have to cut margins. And so far, they haven't been willing to do that. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, if <laughs> if they get desperate, mm-hmm. they might have to release something on 7 nanometers. I'm pretty sure they already have the next GPU taped out. I mean, probably March, February, March this year, they probably had taped out the next GPU. So that's probably ready to go. But, you know... This is more of a business decision more than anything. These companies are, you know, they're are sort of, uh, ho- they're held hostage by by investors and by clients. Nvidia, especially Nvidia, yeah. because, I mean, you look at
0: their share price. This is something I keep bringing up. I mean, just hmm. that, just like five years ago. Now, obviously, AMD is doing well at their share price as well. But it's, it's really in a different league still. NVIDIA used to be... I remember during the Fermi days, NVIDIA was like a 20 to $50 stock. That's a stock you can pick up easy. And that's, a, that's kind of a stock level where you see this company and you go, oh, they do this. And NVIDIA does gaming GPUs. Well, they've somehow convinced people, and maybe they'll be successful. But so far, I'm at least not convinced that they will be able to bring the success they've had in the gaming market to the AI, machine learning, self-driving, all of that stuff. And that's why they have a Tesla stock price right now. People are betting on Mm -hmm. NVIDIA like they're Tesla. Like, this is the future of AI. And so far, they haven't... Actual speaking of Tesla Tesla is not using them anymore. They're actually not getting into these other markets I always look at their financials and go are you guys not seeing that like 90% of their money still comes from gaming? Like that's why they need to charge higher prices because if they don't keep these profit margins high They they go right back to a $20 share price and if they go to a $20 share price it will probably rubber band down to $10 before it comes back up again like they can not until they actually successfully are in like all self-driving cars, that share price needs to come from crazy high profits on that they're selling to gamers.
1: Hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the usual you know investment disclaimer applies here. This this is just commentary <laughs> but yes yeah NVIDIA's stock is insanely overpriced. That's my opinion. And it makes yeah. no sense for and them and to And I'm have not the an stock. NVIDIA hater, right? No, no, it has nothing to do with that.
0: Pull like I just bought an NVIDIA laptop. Guys, I'm just saying I've looked at their stock for the past three years and gone, what's going on?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's like you were saying, it's this whole trend with AI because people associate nvidia as the, ina- the hardware mm-hmm. enablers for for ai you know that's what they're famous for now so if there's this massive wave of excitement around ai people are going to look you know these are the guys who made it possible so their stock is massively overpriced because of that
0: yeah and i know that they're planning to use samsung's 7 nanometer euv which i pointed out as far as I, I believe, it has a reticle limit of 858 millimeters squared. So you can bet people they're not done with these overpriced. Well, it def, I, don't, I don't know if I like the term overpriced just because we decide how much it costs. Really, it's up to us. Just don't buy it if you think it's too expensive. But they're going to charge more money again, and it's probably going to be these gigantic expensive seven nanometer cards, I think, late mm-hmm. next year.
1: Now it has to be because they've gone down this, you know, this rabbit hole of ray tracing and fixed function hardware for that specific workload, and what happens is that takes up a lot of space uh, on the die, and they can't just go back to making, you know, GPUs with no ray tracing on them.
0: Yeah, and I, I do want to talk about that before we move on to AMD's solution because I find this particularly funny, specifically with NVIDIA fanboys, because. They'll say, "Oh, I paid extra money because I want to be a part of the future. I want ray tracing." And right now actually, as far as I can tell, the amount of the die all this takes up isn't astronomical, but also ray tracing doesn't really work if you ask me right now yeah. so here's the thing i i mean my conclusion is three to four times the rt performance for it to get to a level where it's not bogging down the graphics card i mean quite literally hardware unboxed found that when they turn on ray tracing the graphics card uses like 20 percent less energy meaning the cores just aren't being used because of how bogged down the insufficient amount of RT cores are, but that was their balance. They did it so they could market it as a gimmick in the first generation, and this is what they always do. Next gen, they'll take these doubling of die size effectively by going to seven nanometer, and they'll probably market like, oh, It has, you know, in reality, maybe 30, 40 percent more performance, but, you know, four times the ray tracing performance. And they'll say this next generation is four times more powerful. And that was the plan the entire time. Make you wish it was working better. uh, Hope AMD can't compete soon enough and then drop something that ray traces four times better. And they will do that and and this brings me to the Nvidia fanboy argument again is when you bring up how small rdna's die sizes they go well you're not inclu- well why are you including the tensor in the rt cores it's like well which one is it fanboys <laughs> did you buy the graphics card for the ray tracing and tensor or didn't you and if you think it's real they're not just going to remove that like the sharehold like imagine jensen walking on stage and saying we're not doing well so we're removing rtx components from our graphics cards all of the shareholders would say, "Didn't you just tell us this was the literally the future of the company a year ago? And now you're just dropping it after one or two generations? <laughs> like it would be, it would be a fire sale getting rid of Nvidia stock if that happened. It would show he has no idea what he's doing. So they're stuck with this for at least two more generations."
1: Hmm. Yeah, I agree. Another thing that doesn't get mentioned too often is that developers. Hate fixed-function hardware. They want to be able to program every aspect of the GPU. So when you're when you're making calls to the, to the GPU, you have a bunch of uh, you have a, a large area of the die that's just you know that's just not doing anything. You know that's a lot of potential uh, silicon that's not being used. So that's another thing. And you you'll see when when it comes time for AMD to discuss ray tracing. They're gonna they're gonna mention this. They're gonna say something like, "Yeah, we've we've been working with developers to find mm-hmm. the right solution for ray tracing, and we think this is right." and And that's true. You, if you talk to developers, they'll tell you that they, they hate uh, NVIDIA's uh, approach to this because it's fixed function hardware, something that. Uh, the you know the industry has been trying to move away from
0: oh desperately try to move away from they want everything to be completely universal now and that is what I hear too like you ask anyone who works on games and they it's just they couldn't say worse things about working with Nvidia to the point where it's like literally GamesWorks was a black box like they have no access to it they're basically told so you make Far Cry, uh, four. And then we're just going to put this in your game. And then they'll go, well, how do we know it will work? It'll work. We'll make it work. And mm-hmm. sometimes it hasn't worked. Like with those Batman games. Oh, that was a long time ago. That was, for me, hilarious. Like that there were literally, AMD almost sued, I believe it was Rocksteady Games, who were making the Arkham games. Because they AMD discovered lines of code that were literally like disabling AMD graphics cards in the games works package. Hmm.
1: <laughs> Yeah, that doesn't surprise me.
0: And that's something where as AMD becomes more, well, they are a standard. They really are. And with the consoles supporting ray tracing, I mean, the rumor I've heard is that the PlayStation 5 will have its own, like you said, ray tracing chip built next to the graphics card for when they want to use ray tracing. And as that becomes more of a standard, NVIDIA will make up for it by just literally I think program I think they would they would literally port the game from console to PC for free. I think they're going to start offering that just so P- they can make sure their stuff works the best.
1: Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a tough one. Um I, d- I don't know. I think they've made it. I think they've thought ahead of that. One one thing that I I thought was interesting was when um Battlefield 5 Came out with the ray tracing update Mm -hmm. in the in the option settings. It doesn't say RTX anything. It just say it just says DXR. They're planning ahead. Which yeah. So I thought "Mm, if this was you know if this was another hairworks, it would be called it would be it would have Nvidia branding because that because that's important to them. The fact that it doesn't have that. The fact that it's just called DXR. suggests to me that they they've made it so that it will work in the future even if it's not coded specifically for their hardware
0: yeah there will be an update that allows battlefield 5 to work with amd ray tracing cards i do think there will be um so i guess i'll say this is there anything else you want to add about what you think amd's solution
1: will be to ray tracing to ray tracing um I think they're going to go for... So when you look... Let's see, how can I approach this? So when you look at their current package with Zen 2, you have those two chiplets and the, the IO die. Right. For the next iterations of Zen, you can have a lot of different things in there. You can have accelerators for machine learning or for whatever they decide to do. And I think for the... For for at least for the consoles, I'm not I'm not sure how they're going to approach this on the PC, but at least for the consoles, they're going to go with more of a hybrid solution where you're using some threads on the CPU, mm. where you're using some fixed function hardware. So this will this would be another chiplet, maybe probably smaller yes. than than the logic chiplets that would do specifically ray tracing, and then you have memory because the problem with ray tracing is that it takes up a lot of, you, you need a lot of memory because you're casting all those ah. rays and then you need to to do work on them so that that's how i see amd's approach to doing ray tracing at least in the consoles right for for the pc i'm i'm not so sure i don't i don't really see them adding uh fixed function specific uh hardware to do ray tracing on the GPU because of something that Lisa Su said when they showed off Navi. She said, we like these chips to be small. If you're going to to put fixed function on a GPU, you're going to end up with a massive die, just like, you know, just like Nvidia's. The, the alternative to that is what? I guess it would be, you know, software. They would need to find a way to to use programmable shaders or something to do the same type of workload. How are they gonna do that? Um,
0: well, we know they've already done it to a certain extent, right? They showed that Crytek demo, but of course that I believe was in reality running 1080p, 30 frames a second on a Vega 56, which I guess arguably isn't any less efficient than what Nvidia is doing right now anyways. True. That's there, that's an option. The one thing I would say is, and I, I agree completely, I do believe that's exactly what the PlayStation Five is doing as its solution. Um, But they could potentially bring it. It all depends on how well they can scale. Well, it depends on two things. Number one, how well they can scale RDNA up with just throwing more shaders at it. I mean, GCN clearly stopped scaling well. Frankly, it stopped scaling well past about 3,300 stream processors. If you ask me, if you look at same clock test between Vega 56 and Vega 64, it's like a 2% difference, and it has 15% more cores. So... I don't know how much RDNA fixed that for sure yet. Obviously, it's they've doubled the RO, almost doubled the ROPs per uh, stream processor, and it's definitely tweaked to scale much wider and higher. But we don't know. N- Nvidia's kind of slowing down too. I mean, I, I mean, think of Fermi to Kepler to Maxwell. They were just jacking up the amount of CUDA cores they were adding, and then Turing comes out, and it's like eh. 20% more? So there's clearly something with Amdahl's Law, as you pointed out before, and a lot of people say is isn't real, and I'm like, I think it is real, clearly. Uh, <laughs> you can tell they're scaling back how many they add every gem and just trying to go wide instead. So I don't know, though. If our DNA can scale effectively to, let's say, 6,000 stream processors, I think they will scale up a lot with that. But if they decide, well, I don't know, and I suspect this is what they'll decide, is that 80 compute units is kind of the balance, well, yeah, maybe for one gen they just do that. But then they've got a lot more space to play with where it might make sense to extend the die with ray tracing functions, kind of like NVIDIA has, just because adding more shaders won't help as much as it used to. And additionally, number two, I would say this is the... My biggest point I like bringing up is, I mean, NVIDIA may have have created a monster by increasing prices because Vega was a compute card forced to compete with the 1080. It's very hard to make something with $150 worth of HBM compete at the same price as the 1080. I believe Vega 56 was sold at about cost at launch. It isn't anymore, but it was. But the second there are now... (laughs) 2080 Ti's for $1,200, HBM isn't an issue anymore. $150? Sounds fine. AMD could make a HBM-laden RDNA card for $750, and if it's stronger than the 2080 Ti, almost double the price performance. So they've allowed AMD a lot more room to just throw stuff on top. So I guess that's the one thing I would say is I know it would take up more die space, but they're already at some pretty giant profit margins with our dna i think so if nvidia is willing to sell cards for 1200 well amd can too and they're willing to have profit margins half as big as nvidia even though it's still huge profit margins
1: yeah i mean it's possible i could i could be wrong on on that it's definitely possible i mean you you touched on several different things there. the the scaling part the problem with scaling more cores is there's always a bottleneck somewhere, right? So it's always going to depend on the workload. Some workloads, uh, and, and that's the thing with Amdahl's Law. Amdahl's Law wasn't specifically about cause. It's a general right.
0: law. Right, which most people don't seem to understand that.
1: Yeah, and because you're always going to be limited to to some part of the system. And, and that bottleneck makes the makes it so everything else has to, has to stall, has to wait. And, and regarding uh, compute units, for instance. So you have to understand that whatever code you, you're getting to run in there, whatever instructions, they're going to be, um, they're going to be competing for resources. Usually the, the, the bottleneck ends up being memory. Uh, so there's a reason why they went with HBM. It was to try and mitigate that. So, it, if as you increase the number of cores, it gets to a point where, where um, you know, you might even see a regression in performance mm-hmm. because you're making the you're making the cores running much slower than what they're actually capable of running because you have so many of them. This is something that that ends up happening. Or usually what you'll see with most workloads is that it just levels off. Yeah. It gets to a point where it doesn't matter how many cores you have, it's always going to run at this speed. So you could have um, 3 billion cores <laughs> and who run at the same speed. So, but the, what they did with RDNA was they eliminated some of the bottlenecks, which means that you're going to see much better scaling than what you saw with, with Vega 64 and 56, obviously. Now, how much mm-hmm. does it scale? That's the question. Uh, yeah.
0: But I mean, I would say it should scale pretty much to 8,000. I don't know how well it will scale to 8,000, but I would guess, I mean, GCN was pretty much at peak efficiency, honestly, in the 2 to 3,000 region which is where they stayed for a long time until they just basically had to try to brute force to compete with Maxwell, and also because they were using it, I mean, for compute contracts as well. So I, yeah, I mean, I don't know how high they would go. For some reason, the number 80 just keeps sticking in my head. I have no idea if you have an opinion on that. (laughs) Simple, simple Um, predictions like that, by the way, that's what everyone really, (laughs) all the technical stuff, what they want to hear is, okay, how big will it be? (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> true yeah um I, I don't know i have no idea i don't think you'd see that 80 in this in the in the do you mean for the 5900x for something yeah like i don't
0: think that 5800 will be but i think i think i so and you've i think we talked about that before over discord is you and me i think agree that 5800 could come out this year i don't think that one mm. would be 80 i think the one after no. that
1: yeah, I think I think that's that's. Re- I think up to ninety six would be mm-hmm. reasonable to expect,
0: right? And I think that might be where they stop. For some reason, I think eighty, as in within the next couple years, maybe. And then I'm just, and again, right? I'm just guessing. So, all right, I think I'm. If you're all right, going to move on to Zen, though. I think we've talked about graphics quite a bit there. Um, sure. So, I sent you ahead of time what I wanted to talk about, and at least. What I what I think an interesting conversation would be, it's something I keep thinking about, is the end goal. Because I remember when I made that Whispers of Zen 3 video, I mean, a lot of the patents that they're using now were patented in December, I think it was 2012, literally a couple months after Jim Keller joined AMD. So they've mapped out. Uh, it, again, I think a lot of people think and especially a lot of people who doubted that Zen 2 would be good they doubted them cuz they're like well AMD pulled a rabbit out of a hat with Zen 1 who knows if they've got anything else coming and it's like no they wouldn't they wouldn't just make Zen 1 and then go hope we can come up with something else they would have an entire roadmap of this new architecture evolving it over a decade that's not how these companies work they don't just throw out crap so so the way i think about it right Zen 1 was the start, Zen Plus was kind of just some tweaks, a stopgap, and Zen 2 was fully realizing the chiplet concept, and then Zen 3 is enhancing everything you would want to do next, you know, more threads, maybe more cores, 3D stacking some memory, or 2.5D stacking memory next to it. What do you think, I mean, would you agree with what I said there, and what do you think the end goal of Zen 4 would be? And this is, I think, mostly guessing, unless you have some information.
1: (laughs) Um, yeah, that's a lot to cover. So, um, <laughs> I actually don't agree with you. Okay. <laughs> um, I think Zen 3, well, I think it's going to be more than just um, a slight clock bump. I think um, Well, I think it's going if to be a If you don't mind, though,
0: how would you define a revolutionary jump, though? Because I would make the argument Zen 1 and Zen 2... I think it depends what you want out of something because I don't think it'll be more revolutionary than Zen 2 necessarily. Zen 2 is pretty profound to think four years ago, we wouldn't even imagine CPUs coming out like this. So I guess what would you say revolutionary jump is, or what would it take for it to be one for you? I
1: guess uh, um, better efficiency or performance per watt. Uh, You can say you might have more transistors. i I'm not sure. Maybe you can correct me on that. I think seven nanometer plus does offer slightly more area to work with. It does, and um, they've
0: got a special version of it that I believe is separate that they're marketing as six nanometer EUV, which is basically a special version of their seven nanometer EUV. That I, it's like an eighteen percent density increase. Yeah,
1: right. So, so there's something there. So there's going to be perhaps you know another 200 megahertz all core boost compared to, to Zen 2 cuz you cuz you have to, you have to have a metric like that otherwise the CPUs just don't sell yeah so you have to have slightly higher clocks so i do expect to see that i do expect to see better performance um, per watt which will be you know have massive implications in mobile in the mobile market and that's where where i think Zen 3 will be fo- mostly focused fo- focusing on is is AMD finally moving into, you know, into laptops and actually having laptops worth buying compared to what Intel has to offer and ARM? Um, and um, as far as what would be revolutionary, well, then we can start looking at Zen 4. And that, I think, is going to be, you know, pretty, pretty, you know, significant advance advancements like... Uh, there's been talk, and I think you were one of the first pers- people to talk about this, which was you know, having more threads per core.
0: So you don't think more threads per core is coming in Zen 3, though?
1: I don't think so. Especially, Definitely not for, for consumers. I could see maybe for, for servers, maybe that would make sense, some sense. Because this goes back to what we were talking uh, when we were talking about scaling and when we were talking about cores on GPUs. It's kind of the same thing. The problem with uh, simultaneous multi-threading with three or four threads is that, again, you have the same problem. You have these threads competing for resources.
0: If you don't mind, one person said to me how it works is... Well, and I mean, yeah, that's, hyper-threading is there to make sure you're not wasting latent resources. It makes it more efficient to run, I think, if I'm not wrong, right, the code in a more streamlined way, right? It kind of orders it correctly if you have two threads per core. Um,
1: well, a good example to understand this. So, let's say when you're running a game and you look at your CPU utilization and it's running at 50% and your GPU is pegged at 80% or 90%, right? What that means is that there's a lot of power on the CPU that's not being right. used. Cause that's the thing that cpus are incredibly powerful for the software that we have they are immensely powerful which so we end up in a situation where most of the of the cpu logic doesn't get used yeah. that's why we have hyper threading so that we can divide the the core so
0: it's all being used hopefully
1: so you're using it better so the idea with smt4 would be that you know you're having even more threads as our, as the cores become more and more powerful you'd get uh increased performance and that is indeed the case if your workload is not dependent on uh heavily dependent on a, on a specific resource like the cache or the execution units so another one would be you know the software also plays a part in this. So let's say you have you have code that has very long, uh, a very long dependency chain. I think
0: I know what you mean, but I'm going to let you explain it.
1: Do, do you know what I mean? So let's say you have you want to figure out how many of your comments on your YouTube channel are made by trolls. <laughs> so you so you have to look at. How many comments you have, right? And then under that, so that's one thread. And then under that, you're mm-hmm. looking at uh, how many of these comments were made on videos that are that's public. That's
0: depending on the previous thread. That's yeah.
1: depending on the other one, and and so on and so forth. And then after five or six threads, you have one thread that looks at the, the the actual content of the comment and is looking for a specific phrase. So if you have a code that is written like this, you can have the threads that are waiting for this dependency. To wait, to stall, and then you ha- you can have another thread going into cache, and another one doing the working with branch prediction. Mm-hmm. So these are very so what I'm trying to say here <laughs> is these are very specific workloads that you need to run on a very controlled environment. So that would be a server or something like a console. So it's a known quantity. It's right. going to be very. D- detrimental detrimental to to performance to have this on a desktop
0: the i guess what i would say is here's what i've been told right i've be, i've been told amd's working on four way smt and it sounded like it was coming sooner rather than later I'll, but i never thought they would bring four way to desktop what i assumed is they would make a chiplet that's capable of four way smt Put it in their epic chips maybe not even all of them because it could be detrimental from how you're describing it to even some servers but they would disable them two of the threads for desktop or maybe one of them or i guess and that leads me to one person i talked to was just rate he's a programmer he was raving about how excited he was about four-way smt and he was saying here's the thing ideally you can get up to a 50 percent boost from two-way it's usually more like 30 to 40 Well, and sometimes it's not close to that. And for three-way though, he said, there's an easy extra 10 to 20% performance you can throw on top right there for at least half of the applications out there. Would you agree with that assessment of adding a third
1: thread? Yes. So like you were saying, you're not gonna get a 50% increase from hyper threading. You're gonna get 25% to 30%, although there's, there's, there's room there for improvement i I can see why you're going with that how are you going to so are you going to segment the um, the server chips from the desktop chips? This is why it doesn't make a lot of sense to me to see this in Zen three already. Zen three is uh, what a year from now, maybe less. I could see
0: yeah I don't think they're in a rush to release it though I will say that it wouldn't surprise me if it's not coming out next year I- anymore. I right. could be wrong. It, it was supposed. I could to be, be wrong
1: about everything that, that I'm saying. By the way, this is just me thinking thinking about it now. Okay, but I could see that making sense for Zen Four when 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 the company has a lot more resources and when you're going to do you know this massive, I think it will be quite a big jump, uh, another big jump in terms of especially packaging. I think it might more m- make more sense to to do it then because stop me if you if you want at any time because I have a tendency to go on these on these tangents <laughs> this well I do too this but go to,
0: on this is what they want this is a podcast <laughs> they want you to talk to them forever because
1: <laughs> um, this leads you to another thing that a m d has been talking about, which is this whole well this goes even further back than that this is sort of a Lisa Sue thing which this which is this idea of um uh, heterogeneous. A system. Okay, so this is a system on a chip that, is, that right. is designed to be flexible to do a number of different things. So like you were saying, it might make sense to come up with a chip with SMT4, but then it might also make sense for that particular chip to have a machine learning accelerator, because the client who has asked for this
0: which I think they will eventually. Yeah, so uh,
1: there's a client who happens to have this sort of workload that takes advantage of, of SMT4 or even more, and they also do machine learning. So there you go. There's a, so AMD can have a package where they can put, you know, like Lego blocks, they can put different things on there and service yeah. a, a specific segment. Does this sound to you like something they would do next year? To me, that sounds a bit early. To, get to, to have that sort of jump.
0: The reason they might do it so soon is simply because they don't need to worry, I think, I think they don't really need to worry about Intel on desktop anymore. I mean, it's it's game over. It's completely game over. And so, and server is, server is very hard just because of contracts. If you're in the do-it-yourself market, you need to be like 20% better for a lot of people to choose you over the competition. That's it. Now, obviously, that doesn't do everything, as we've seen with NVIDIA versus Radeon. <laughs> you usually need to be much better, if, depending on how much marketing is involved and the mind share. But on server, yes, there will be people who switch right away, and there are a lot of people already switching to Epic because it's more efficient and it affects the bottom line immediately. But... To get someone who's been on an Intel contract with, you know, like thousands, maybe millions of CPUs over decades um, being bought for these massive servers, you need to make a product so much better that they are losing money even if Intel gives them their chips for free. And so that's why I would consider that they don't care about – well, they care about desktop, but they've won. So why – now let's just go in. And it's funny because the way you talk about Zen 3 is I actually don't know if you do disagree with me. Maybe I just haven't explained myself well. I actually agree with pretty much everything you've said. I think Zen 3 is the focus is on laptop and server. And I think that's where you're going to see. And again, it's not revolutionary like Zen 2. But for instance, I like Ivy Bridge more than Sandy Bridge. I thought Ivy Bridge was substantially more impressive. I know it didn't do as much in terms of gaming performance increase but i remember looking at what like right a nahelm i5 to a sandy bridge one okay so you increased ipc by 30 percent. that's insane still use the same amount of energy you go to ivy bridge and it's like all right maybe a 10 percent performance increase at half the energy often and i was like that's just as big of a jump guys that efficiency jump was insane so that is how I see Zen 3 I don't think this is going to be some giant gaming performance uplift but I do think they're going to make efficiency so much better that they will finally be able to push into laptop which by the way even harder than server to get contracts where you get because for the laptop they have to literally design everything around how your CPU works because of how constrained thermals and size are so that's what I think Zen 3's focus is and I think Adding more threads would help server and lap. Well, and again, right, that's that's I don't have any information. I've just heard I have been told they're going to four way SMT in a year. I assume that meant Zen three. But I guess in my whispers video, I did say it could have been Zen four. Who knows? Maybe it won't be in Zen three. But I think adding four threads and then just disabling one of them or two of them for a lot of the consumer ones. I think it makes sense Mm. personally, but obviously I don't know how, and it's not going to be for Windows. You're right about that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, although I will say this, I have noticed even on Windows having hyper threading when the CPU is absolutely bogged down. So if
1: you try and like hardware and box was doing this week, trying disabling uh, SMT, with, uh, I think that was the video, right? Yeah. And then seeing if, um, if that has an impact on performance. What you're always going to see is in some cases yes, in some cases no, yes. because there's no binary, this is not a yes or no solution. It really depends on how the game engine works and what the workload is. Because it goes back to what I very poorly tried to explain, <laughs> which is this um, contention for resources within the chip right it, it, it always comes comes down to that. There's always a bottleneck there. If the code doesn't rely on that, then you might get you know you might disable SMT and get a performance gain, or you might, as you're saying, have a two core chip that does uh, better with three threads. The problem is specific specifically in Windows is how do you tell Windows what to do? Windows doesn't know if, you know, because some, some programs work better yeah. with SMT, others don't. Windows doesn't know what to do. <laughs> so there's no way for, for developers to, to kind of catch all the possible scenarios. And no developer is going to do, this is, a, you know, this is mythical and No developer is going to try every single processor out there and see how their program works. You know, that's insane. So it really depends on the, on the workload.
0: I guess I, think it might be, I guess it is my opinion it might be worth it just because, and I don't know, maybe do you agree, I think desktops game over, AMD has such significantly better products now. They're, I think they're, they don't even have their highest clock ones out, mm-hmm. and they could charge less money. I don't know, maybe you don't agree with that. You mean
1: uh, in relation to Intel? Y- yes. Um, for the next two years, yeah, Intel is completely dead. But you know these take because they they have um, Jim Keller there, so they brought him in for a reason, right? They're, they're going to design. Yes. announce They're going to have an answer to this. But th- this we're talking about five year cycles.
0: Yeah, that's what I keep telling people is it's like yeah, well he started in 2018, so hope Intel's okay till 2023.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that would be my guess for a you know if they have a comeback and that this kind of goes um against another thing you were saying which is that amd doesn't have to care about the the desktop or maybe i i well interpreted i think they do
0: more. in a couple of years but i think in the meantime it might behoove them to really go for laptop and server because they have they have some breathing room for the first time in their history on desktop i would say they got two years where they can basically release speed release. Re-re- they can increase performance by ten percent, and still be in charge of Intel, and that's just never happened before. Mm. Intel was just dominating them, even during the Athlon days. AMD, I don't think, was nearly as ahead as they are now. No,
1: yeah, no, no. I guess we do agree. <laughs> now that I see that what what you mean about that, yeah, I do. I do think they are going to go after laptops and servers next year with the desktop seeing sort of a Zen Plus moment, maybe with a few things added on, you know, I might be wrong on that um, SMT, SMT4 way. Maybe, well, maybe they're- Yeah,
0: they're working on it. It might not be in Zen 3, mm. I don't know for sure.
1: But I think Zen 4 will be really interesting.
0: Yeah, and I think I hype up Zen 3 just because it excites, I, or I hype up a hypothetical architecture with 3D stacked memory on it and, four threads per core just because it's different doesn't mean I think it's going to be good for gaming guys. Mm-hmm. I just think, wow, something new exists. Um, that isn't just it's a, that isn't, I mean, come on. Cause we're used to the newest Intel <laughs> generation, 5% more IPC, 5% higher clock speeds, and then everyone loses their mind. <laughs> so the idea of adding more threads per core and giant stacks of L4 cache is at least we're talking about something different now is why I get more excited for Zen 3. Yeah. At least. No, it's, it's, it, it sounds awesome.
1: Yeah, and it's not just that. There are things that we we don't even think about. I mean, two years ago, you wouldn't have thought about stuff <laughs> that's happening now. So I think we're going to see very diverse packages when it comes to, to Zen 4. So you're going to see right. a lot of things on... on I think it was Mark Papermaster who said that they're there's sort of this relates to your your other question about what, what the end goal is. Yes, So
0: which is perfect. Let's talk about that. <laughs> so
1: I, I remember him saying. I think it was on um, maybe Anantak or some interview that they. Um, I wish I had the the quote here that they were they were doing like. They they wanted this modularity to going yeah. forward, right? So they want to have kind of an ecosystem more than just having you know a CPU that's really awesome or I don't know, or and then combines well with with their with their GPUs, and that's what you call an ecosystem. I think it's it's much more in depth than that. So you have to look back at what they what they did with hyper transport so they have this they have this long history with fabrics right this has always been one of amd's you know biggest, uh, biggest yes. things and nowadays they call it the infinity fabric that's just you know that's just hyper transport it's just a nicer name but the idea behind that was always to create and this might even be connected to why they brought in lisa sue to create this heterogeneous package this this system this ecosystem which is much more than just oh we have zen and we have radeon i think it's going to be much more than that i think oh yeah their
0: overall plan is clearly to just make every type of weapon you could want and be able to combine them in any way you want
1: yeah and intel kind of they caught wind of that and they've they've gone down the same the same path so you look at them today and they're calling themselves you know, an accelerator company because they have all they have their fingers in all these different pies. Mm-hmm. The problem is Intel forgot that their core business is CPUs. <laughs> That's the problem with their strategy. You can't put your fingers in all of those pies and then forget about your core product, which is CPUs. And they're they're getting completely owned. AMD is taking this in in different steps, so they're dominating with. CPUs and then you're going to see them create accelerators for machine learning maybe they will get involved with memory cuz this that is you know yeah that's the dream is cuz memory Well they've
0: already been closely working you know right HBM they were right there with a few other
1: companies Exactly so memory is 20 years behind CPUs Oh yeah so that's that's might be another thing so for me it's really exciting to see this whole idea of a, of an ecosystem it's much more than what people think it's much more than just a cpu and a gpu there's going to be things that we we don't even we're not even considering right now that we're going to see in the next 2 years and i think that's really really exciting
0: yeah and one thing that i noticed so my zen 3 video from a few months ago was one of the first videos that i think got me some level of notoriety and that leak about what AMD is working on. It was interesting. Most people were like, this looks incredible. But there were some people, actually a decent amount, especially the first day, that said, why are you talking about Zen 3? Zen 2 isn't even out yet. This guy sucks. And I noticed so many people mad. And I, I think this is, my, this is my theory. I think they were mad that I was saying in a year there might be something that makes Zen 2 look weak, just like Zen 2 is making Zen 1 look weak and they're like can't i just be happy and it's like i i don't know what to tell you guys if i'm right about zen 3 and it actually pans out let's say it's it works mad they have a gigabyte of you know cash on there and it actually uses three threads effectively on desktop somehow that happens yeah it's not like you can just buy that though too and go well i'm good for 10 years no zen 4 is probably gonna be in zen 5 i mean amd is not I see no signs that they're slowing down in the rumors and patents that you can like, if you really dig, some of the stuff they patented in 2012 and 2013 makes what we're talking about right now. And I have no have no idea how much they'll use it, when they'll use it. But it they're working on some pretty ridiculous things. And with Infinity Fabric and the me- next-gen memory, there's really no limit to what they can put on there. I mean, they could start, and I've talked about, I think, NVIDIA needs to do this and I'm actually surprised graphics manufacturers haven't done this yet, is they need us to start putting small FPGAs and ASICs for specific tasks. Like, I got to tell you, I've got an HDMI cord. It was like $100, but it works. It adds times two MSAA through an ASIC through the HDMI. You have to power the HDMI with a USB, but it works, and it even works with consoles. So I can plug in a PS3, and it will add times two MSAA, and it really, like Linus Tech Tips did a deep dive it works. It, and I'm surprised that's not in a graphics card yet. How much I mean, I know it it costs money and it takes up space, but it's like I'm really blown away Nvidia hasn't put a tessellation ASIC or isn't talking about that stuff yet, but that type of stuff's coming and we could see a future where you literally have a something just for opening up zip files. You could have something like and all of these things could make Zen 3 and 4 even whenever they come out feel 10 times slower it's like this isn't slowing down there's no limits to what amd is working on right now for the next five years
1: Mm, yeah i completely agree
0: so don't get mad when a better processor comes out it's not my fault and also you can skip zen 4 and just get zen 5 like you don't have to get zen 4
1: well, it's it's understandable because you know people first first people don't want to buy things and then have it be obsolete within a year. And secondly, it's kind of complicated to just fit all of this stuff into your head. So you just want to make it simple. You just want to be okay. This is ten percent every year. Okay, I can understand that. So that's yeah. that's one problem. But the, what people forget is that. We're a tiny, tiny niche within a niche. The people who who, who matter for AMD, Intel and Nvidia mm-hmm. are massive you know hyperscalers and they want this, you know these advancements every year. They would take it every month if they could. Oh so, yeah, you know it's a, it's a bit of tunnel vision, I guess.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of people I, I've pulled people on my uh, YouTube channel. And it seems like a lot of people who are watching all these tech channels right now come from pretty much the end of the Kepler in the Maxwell era. And this is right about when they were used to getting 50% performance increases in graphics cards not in processors, about every two or three years, and then they were used to processors. Like you say, they just got used to it. Okay, so if I wait five years, 1.1 times 1.1 times 1.1, mom, well, my thing will last five years before something twice as good comes out, and then I can save up an upgrade. And it's like, well, I came in right at the Phenom 2 era and right with the like 5,000 and 6,000 series. I don't know what to tell you guys. I was used to graphics cards getting twice as powerful every year for a while there, and I'm not going to get mad if that comes back.
1: Hmm. There's no reason to get mad. I guess what, what we can say to, to put uh, people at peace is that software lags behind hardware massively. So even if hardware is getting way, way better, you don't have to worry because Especially games, they're they're just not they're not even making use of the hardware hardware that we have right now. So you'll be fine if you buy, you know, Zen 2.
0: And let us remember too that uh I mean, the games are still fun, even if you're not ten percent stronger guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. I mean I would I mean what was I um I mean, what was it? the best game I played this year, which isn't even from this year, I don't think, was God of War. I mean, it's not on PC, so yeah, I still fun playing it <laughs>
1: at, 30, four, yeah. at 30 FPS.
0: Yeah, which I did lock it. I had the Pro, so I run it. It runs it like I believe it. It seems to actually adjust the resolution. You can tell it's adjusting between about 1440p and 1800p at most of the time. But yeah, it's running at 30 frames. It's fine. It's still a fun <laughs> game, guys. I and I'm someone who literally built my system for high refresh. I still game in 1080p on my PC because I do really notice latency differences. But if the game's good enough, I'll, I'll play it in a peasant 1080. You know, I'll play it at peasant 30 frames or whatever you people make fun of. But I, I guess one thing I want to say um, about Zen Four too is I think. And I'm probably oversimplifying it because what you say is they're not listening to, well, they obviously listen to our channel sometimes, AMD. But no, they care about what's going on with the next Cray supercomputer. That's what they care about. I am even bigger contracts than that. Amazon. I mean, so that's true. I think what they have found a way to do is, like you say, mix and match absolutely everything. That's one of the end goals. But do you think, and you've talked about it on your channel before, I feel like the ultimate way too to leverage this massive thread advantage they have on Intel is to have a scheduler that can have multiple threads run one line of code. I feel like that's something they are going to try to implement in a few years. And I don't know how well it will work or what applications it will work on. But I do, come on, they have to be trying to add that eventually, the ability to combine those threads for single-threaded applications.
1: Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, that's one. Um, that's one vector that um, that that ends up being an added selling point to having more threads and more cores. And I think, from what I've seen, that's definitely going to happen. It might be. It might not be just a, you know one day you it mm. just sudden suddenly starts work, working. It might be a more organic uh, progress to get. To get to that point, just like we had with you know branch prediction, it wasn't just like one day oh here, here here's this thing, you know it these things happen gradually, and we've already started seeing a lot of improvements even on Windows with threadripper, you know threadripper today yeah. works much better than than it did when it came out because you know there are changes changes that you have to do to the to the software to the the operating system. Another vector is. Uh, this idea of throughput so you, you were talking about Amazon. So Amazon is more interested in how many Transactions it can make per, per mm-hmm. second or per minute rather than you know, what's the frequency? What's the clock frequency of this CPU? So they want more cores. They want more threads so there's this Different type again different types of workloads some require more throughput some require more more frequency now um going back to the scheduler i can't say much of what i've seen but it is really quite impressive because it literally turns code that hasn't been optimized to run on a bunch of threads and it runs it 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 makes the most out of the core and and in a way that because like like we were saying windows doesn't know what to do with with code there's so many different types of code uh, it's difficult to know, is the, does this work better with SMT on? Does it work better with SMT off? Should I prioritize the the primary and secondary threads or the tertiary uh, threads? Windows doesn't know. So w- what I saw being done on a kernel level in another operating system was doing precisely that, was taking the code and distributing it uh, in a way that makes, you know, for instance, in a, in something that, like in in a game, you would get like absolutely perfect frame times, which is really impressive. Why? Because the, oh, because man, there are no that's bottlenecks. What I want. <laughs> yeah, there are no bottlenecks. There's not. There are no stalls. Everything is being utilized. So, and this is just the beginning of you know a revolution that needs to happen that can bridge you know software and hardware because this is one of the, one of the great limitations that we have today is the hardware is massively powerful compared to what we're using yeah. it for. So that's one thing that, I, that will definitely happen. You're right about that. It will be more of a an organic transition. I can't say much about it. You don't it. think
0: there's just going to be like a, a Zen 5 that comes out and it's like all of a sudden AMD can use, I don't know, right, 32 cores full single-threaded. Single it's not going to be just that overnight type of a architecture release. I don't think that, yeah. There, Okay. But they're like they will need to do a lot more work on the OS and software level to allow it to do that. But I mean it's doable though. Yeah. Like and this this should be the end goal of that many cores, I think. Like what are you gonna do with these if you're not gonna start combining them?
1: However, I didn't I never said that it was AMD that had this.
0: Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that's what I'm saying is I think that should be AMD's end goal. Mm. I don't know if they will get to it. And I will say, and I think you basically directly said this before. Well, actually uh, let me frame it this way. A lot of people, so Jim Keller's working at Intel and I think whatever comes from him working there is going to be, he has a pretty good track record so far, I would say <laughs> in terms of what he can make. Yeah. Um, but the only thing I tell people is it's not going to be just enough to make a copycat of Zen and give it to Intel by then AMD will be much more resurgent Intel like at least not to get Intel back to the level of prominence they had. They would have to basically catch up to all of AMD's advantages now, which they could easily. I don't know if easily but they could. Okay. On top of that though, they then need to come up, if if they're gonna blow Zen away, Zen five whatever, away, they also need to have a holy grail that's as big of a deal as Infinity Fabric and Chiplets have been. I think that scheduler is basically the only thing I can come up with that would be as big of a deal.
1: Yeah, who knows?
0: I mean, I can't think of <laughs> anything else that that would be as revolutionary as chiplets unless you literally found a way to do that, which, yeah, I think that is what Intel's doing too. I think we're looking at a race to who gets there first, frankly.
1: Well, yeah, Intel is in a, in a bit of a... a a strange position because i i don't think they know exactly what they want to be i think that's that's a problem because what happens when you're the size of intel is you answer to your customers you know and i and mm-hmm. when i say customers i'm not talking about us i'm talking about no i know you know amazon and tencent and alibaba and all those people and those people are probably going to intel and saying you know we want this and this and this and intel is like okay that's what we should Uh, do instead of focusing on okay what's that that people don't even know that they need that's what they should be focusing on and that's what worries me about intel that's
0: how you become a market leader exactly Exactly. yeah yeah i mean and i uh, an example i like to use um is sony because they did that. They almost fell apart <laughs> and they had no reason to fall apart. They were a market leader. They had all these things. I mean, they had the Walkman, and then they were dominating the portable radio and TV market. Actually, I love that you brought that up too, in one of your videos. And then they, uh, and then it was hilarious. It's like no one can beat Nintendo and then just and they just raffle stomped Nintendo's consoles, triple the market share out of nowhere. And then they became so insanely huge. That they stopped, like you say, they just started trying to make everything, things they had no business working on. And I remember an example an executive gave from Sony of mistakes they were making, why they needed to cut their company in half in the past five years. is because they had a tablet release, I believe, in like 2012. And they released two tablets in the same month. I don't know if you remember this, but there was a Slate tablet, like a normal-looking tablet. And then they had a clamshell tablet that folds open. That And they released them at the same time and everyone thought, oh, that's interesting. They're trying two approaches with their new tablet release. No, they actually accidentally independently had two teams working on tablets (laughs) and they didn't know each other were working on tablets. And at the last minute they realized it and said, oh, let's make it the same product release with two options. (laughs) So like when you become that huge, you start making mistakes like that where you literally didn't even know you were making the same thing twice.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, that's crazy. Sony is a very interesting company. They used to have really cool computers actually, the Vio all-in-ones. I love,
0: I never bought one, but I always I almost bought one like three times. I remember when I went to college, they had this 13-inch and this was pretty much what looks like modern HP laptops that are very popular now, except they had it in 2013 and it had an Nvidia dedicated graphics card, a Blu-ray player, and an i7, and they somehow managed to fit that in a 13-inch slim laptop with an 8-hour battery life back then. And I was like, this is expensive, but they're literally pulling off things like no one's even attempting.
1: I think I might actually have that very laptop here.
0: <laughs> so you, so I, I can live through you a little bit and know someone I know did buy that perfect laptop.
1: I'm not sure if it's 13-inch. It looks bigger than that, but I ha- I'd have to go and take a look. I remember this desktop they had, it was a desktop all-in-one and it had this this sort of clamp it wasn't a clamshell because it didn't go all the way up to the top of the screen but then when you pulled it up it's like a cover that was part of the the screen and the top bit would become a clock. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that was really weird <laughs> but it was really cool. They had these really crazy ideas for for computers which I thought were were very interesting.
0: Is there anything else you want to Talk about, or how much more time do you have?
1: Um, I have a bit more time. I can, since you've been such a such a good host, I can I can leave you with a bit of a bomb. Although we we probably can't go much too much into it, as it's midnight here.
0: Okay. Well, if you think it's a bomb, <laughs> and I'll want to talk about it, which I'm inferring from your voice, you think I will. Let's just go with that then.
1: <laughs> so. So this is regarding a semiconductor company which doesn't get a lot of attention, which I think mm. is is odd because they have more chips in the market than a- than AMD, Intel, and NVIDIA combined.
0: Keep going. <laughs>
1: well, it's ARM. <laughs> right. And okay. um, so I was talking to someone who happens to work at ARM and they were telling me that they have a team there of engineers, and it's not a small team, who are working on optimizing um, Unity and Unreal Engine for their current products and for some upcoming products. Okay. Now, you might think, okay, they have 99% of the mobile market, so it kind of makes sense to optimize for these very popular uh, games engines. The thing is, you don't need a team of engineers, a fairly large team of engineers to do that and you can't get much beyond what you already are capable of doing on mobile phones because of battery constraints, right? You're not going to get desktop level of graphics on, um, on phones.
0: Yeah, I can only. Well, <laughs> I don't know if you remember the days where people said, pretty soon consoles and desktop will be obsolete. Because look, smartphones are getting twice as strong every year. And it's like, yeah, until they max out their efficiency. But yeah, yeah go on. Exactly. You're, you're would, never going to get that.
1: They would last, you know, five minutes. <laughs> that's that's the most you're going to get out of them. So mm-hmm. why do they have this team? Well, let, let's see. How can I phrase that? Well, you know that they're bringing. Um, desktop class chips, ARM chips, right yeah, to the market. Yeah, I've seen them at Best
0: Buy. Uh, they're not gr- that great yet, but they they've been trying to get into Windows laptops for a while now. Right, and it's common sense that they should.
1: And they've said they they're going to get a twenty five to thirty percent increase in performance every year. And they've actually this has been yeah. independently shown to be the case. Now, what, what what would you say to who knows maybe a GPU? From, um, how does that sound
0: for gaming on desktop? There's absolutely no reason they couldn't, right? And they've already, yeah, I mean, what they do have the PlayStation Vita uses ARM, so does um, uh, a lot of phones, and their performance per watt can be insanely impressive. Hmm. Um, so they already have all of that tech scaling it up to a desktop graphics card. Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, it's one of those things where it's like it almost surprises you they haven't done it yet.
1: <laughs> yeah, when <laughs> you think about it, yeah. Well Yeah, that's just, I'll just leave it at that.
0: So, well, obviously, um, that's the follow-up is, so yes, you are in <laughs> certain terms, not uncertain, but certain terms hinting that this could be a fourth entrant into the desktop gaming graphics market.
1: Yeah, wouldn't wouldn't that be nice?
0: Yeah, and that's this is so funny because someone asked me how many desktop, how many competitors in the in the uh, desktop GPU market do you think the market can sustain? And I'm like, how old are you? They used to have <laughs> hmm. like a lot more than two guys. There's no reason if the Profit margins are there. And my God, are they there now in the desktop market? Um, someone's going to enter it. And I i actually said that in some of my recent videos of just... It might not even be ARM or Samsung or... Like, eventually Tesla would try if the <laughs> profit margins are good enough. Eventually, kids will make a startup where they make 28 nanometer cards that suck in efficiency but cost $100. Like, the profit margins are there. So I think ARM entering would be common sense from their point of view, especially now that NVIDIA has gone full mad with power. Yep. But you don't want to add anything else to that because what everyone's like now immediately forgets that this is a big deal and goes, great, when's it coming out?
1: (laughs) Maybe I'll do a video on it.
0: I suspect you will, <laughs> but I mean, how much more do you want to talk about that? Because I guess the only, I look, I know they will be efficient in the small level and I know they'll be able to scale them up to a certain degree. Um, yeah, that's interesting because Intel's coming next year, but I think they will be incredibly efficient in certain scenarios, but I'm not, look, never count out Intel. I mm. think they could. as everyone uh, seems to either think Intel's going to take the GPU market or they're going to be horrible. And I would say, well, I wouldn't bet on anything for sure from Intel, but I also would never count them out. There's a chance they might, I mean, Raja Kador's working there. There's a chance they might find a way. People forget how efficient Ivy Bridge's graphics were. They were absurdly efficient mm. and then they just hit a scaling wall. They can get past that wall. Intel could make some incredible stuff. But it would be pretty funny if ARM came out right after them and took the efficiency crown again.
1: Yeah, no more bombs. Maybe next time.
0: Okay. Um, Well, uh, you plugged your channel a little bit. I'll let you. Is there anything else? I mean, your cortex.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for those who don't know, my channel is called Cortex. So go and share the videos with your friends and all that. uh, Because YouTube likes to hide my channel sometimes. And also, yeah. you know, thanks, Tom, for having me. You're, you're, you've been a great host, and apologies if my audio was crap, as I have a very temperamental microphone.
0: I, It's funny, I'm going to endorse Cortex, but I don't think literally anyone watches my channel who doesn't know of yours, but we'll see, there's probably <laughs> some. <laughs> but, and you know, the bombshell that's dropped um it's gonna be a very hard to name episode because frankly i think any one of the things we talked about would be very good as a title but um yeah i think arm graphics cards is probably going to be up there Mm -hmm. zen four and arm graphics cards is definitely the most interesting thing yeah i mean uh, i think you're one of the best people in it so i think everyone should support you as well and i agree it's like you know The thing about YouTube revenue is it is actually, I find, pretty decent, but it's certainly not consistent or Mm. you can't it's not going to. And the, the size your channel would need to be to live off of it is certainly there are YouTubers that make a lot of money, but you need to be. Uh, basically as popular as a TV show to be making decent money Mm. off of YouTube. So yeah, you should support Cortex on Patreon. And of course, my plugs come anyways by an automated pre-recorded thing at the end, so. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I hope we do it again sometime. And I mean, I look forward to all of your videos coming out. I usually save them to watch while I'm eating lunch or something.
1: Cool. Awesome, man. Thanks.
0: All right. Well, I think I'm saying it right, right? Boa (laughs) Noeche?
1: Yeah, close enough. (laughs) Okay. (laughs)
0: Well, get some sleep then, and thanks for uh, joining so late over in Portugal.
1: Cool. Thank you, man.
0: Broken Silicon, a PC hardware and gaming podcast, is brought to you by me, Tom, of Moore's Laws Dead, and also co-hosted by my brother, Dan, please visit Moore's Laws Dead at YouTube to see much more in-depth analysis of AMD, Intel, and NVIDIA products and rumors. Also, if you love this podcast, please subscribe and consider giving me a review on your distributor of choice. It really does help. And if you really like this and my other content, please consider supporting me on Patreon at Moore's Laws Dead. Unlocked or higher supporters get to submit questions and have in-depth discussions with me after videos and podcasts. Plus, There are a lot of intelligent people on the included Discord channel that are having some pretty enlightening hardware discussions right now. I bet they wish you could join them. In fact, I will now give thanks to my netburst or higher supporters immediately because I could not afford to dedicate the time or resources necessary to providing this content you like without these supporters. And so, without further ado, well, actually let me say this. This is not a stitched together edit of every name that I have recorded recently. Every week, I say the same thank yous to all the names on my list again because I want to remember all of the people making this possible. On July 25th, 2019, I want to thank the following net burst 10 gigahertz or higher public supporters. Bootman, Hunter Drake, Dean, Ruckus, Justin Yant, Thomas Rupp, Thomas Paraj, Jesse Blanton, Jordan Betcher, Mohammed Al kawari Victor Janeki, Matthew Brubacher, Prime Tech TV, Justin Parrish, Zachary Martin, Terrence Harad, Calm Marco, Thyrister, the Ninth Dude, Greg Renegar, Kulin Now, Daniel Cash, Night Rogue 77, Mechanical Philosopher, Michael Costa, Bollocks, Derek Evans, Matthew McMullen. Krista Novak and of course Sahara who's playing this music and one more time Cortex you should all be subscribed now I suspect you already are all right thank you